Welcome to Wiffle's Press Box Podcast, where we discuss the latest topics in the professional world of sports. Enjoy our exclusive interviews with athletes, coaches, insiders, and fans. And now, here's your host, Gary Wiffle. Welcome again to another edition of Wiffle's Press Box Podcast. I'm Gary Wiffle, and I'm joined, as usual, by my exceptional Press Box colleague, Jerry Tapp. Welcome again. Hi, Gary. Good to see you. It's been a long time. I know. I bet you missed our posh studios in downtown Caledonia, huh? I did. (laughs) (laughs) Enough said. (laughs) Let's get going. (laughs) Time to move on. Yeah, exactly. Today we want to focus on the Green Bay Packers, specifically the upcoming NFL draft. And At least in my opinion, this is one of the most important drafts for the Packers, maybe in a long, long time. They have two first-round picks. They have number 12 and number 30 in the first round, and they also have an early pick in the second round. Number 44. There you go. One of my favorite numbers, by the way. 44. Oh, yeah. Donnie Anderson. (laughs) (laughs) Changing sports, Hank Aaron. (laughs) I thought that's where you were going. Yeah, yeah. But, no, I mean, it's crucial. I mean, if, if the Packers can hit at least on their first two picks and perhaps get one player in free agency and you interject three starters into the lineup next year you get some players back that are you know were physically hurt last year i think they're back in the mix they could be but you said something that that's very telling you said if they hit on one of those first two picks my guess is they have to hit on it they can't make a mistake having two first round picks they've got to get two players that can make an impact right away so I'm sorry. It can't be an if. So, in other words, they can't get Don Horn or Jerry Taggy or no, <laughs> any of those with those no. high picks. Yeah, no, you're a- absolutely right because if they don't, it's going to be the same old, same old. Yeah. But they need an infusion of youth and they need, more importantly, an infusion of talent. Correct. And again, I really think if they can get three starters via the draft, free agency, they're back in the mix. I was talking to. Ron Rivera, Carolina's coach, a couple weeks ago at the uh, NFL Combine down in Indianapolis. And we were talking a little bit about Rodgers, Aaron Rodgers, and, you know, where he stands in his career. And I said, yeah, he's kind of, you know, he's coming down the stretch. I mean, he's, what is he, 34 now, 35, whatever it is. And I said, you know, he's got a couple of years. And he kind of looked at me and he goes, he goes, I think he's got a lot of years left mm-hmm. in him. And he was just profuse in his endorsement of Rodgers, thinking that Rodgers could finish his career very much like Drew Brees or like Tom Brady. And he thinks like, hey, he might have his best football years ahead of him. Well, that would be great if that was the case. Yeah, I mean, if that's true, he's been a little nicked up. And some people argue he did not have a very good year. I, I disagree. Yeah. I still think he played pretty darn well in the big picture. He, yeah, I think the numbers show otherwise. But. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, But the combine was great, and the one thing that I took away from the combine is this is a very good draft. Uh, you know, whether you're picking in the first round, second round, third round, there are just some dynamic players. I mean, some great defense alignment. I mean, I can't remember the last time there were so many good defense linemen, some very good offense linemen that impact players. I think it's a terrific draft. I, I want to ask you a question though. You mentioned about Only being, one. <laughs> okay. About being at the Combine. I always wonder, the Combine that, that I've seen, and I've never been there, you obviously, mm-hmm. this was your first time, right? No, no, I've been there probably five, six times. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. It seems to me like 
what I see on TV is just a lot of this running and lifting weights and mm-hmm. agility and stuff like that. Is it really a good? Do you think it's a good indicator of how well a guy's going to play in the NFL? I mean, that's the disconnect I have. Yeah, I, I think you know some people overreact based on physical qualifications, but yeah. I, I think it does augment some of the things. I'll give you an example. There's a defense lineman named Montez Sweets from uh, Mississippi State, as I recall. Okay, you got brainwashed here, but this guy was just an athletic specimen. I mean. He ran faster than the wind. He was Hercules, you know, in the weight room. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you what, I interviewed him probably for about five minutes or so, pretty much one-on-one. There might have been a couple other reporters around me at the time. Yeah. I'm talking about the guy passing the eye test. You look at him and you go, that's a big man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he's going to do some damage. And I'm thinking, like, coming into the combine, I think most People kind of projected him in the 20s or maybe later. Okay. And because he absolutely crushed the combine, yeah. now I'm seeing mocks where he could go 5, 7, wow. 8, 9. I have a uh, source for an NF- AFC team, and uh, I texted him yesterday, and he had him in the 12 to 14 range, wow. which is where you know, the Packers are picking you know, right. at 12. Yeah. But uh, getting back to your point, I, I think it is important because you, you do see guys, especially the the uh, skill positions, the right. running backs, the receivers, the DBs, I want to make sure those guys can run. Yeah. I mean, football is such a fast game today. Right. Right. And, and if you, you know, run a 4-6, four, 4-7, four, right. there's some doubts. Not only that, I mean, if you're a coach and you're game planning down the road, you say, hey, you know what? That guy we saw at the combine isn't very fast. Right. Let's isolate him with one of our speed receivers and take yeah. advantage of it. But, but some of these people just go overboard. I mean, like yeah. like it's the be it all. But I think the really great talent evaluators, like what Ron Wolf used to be, mm-hmm. they just look at tape and tape yeah. and tape, and they always say the tape doesn't lie. Right. But again, I think the tape does lie sometimes because yeah. you don't know the quality of the competition. Right. Uh, like a defense tackle going against a guard might be an average guard, he might look all world. But again, I think you have to really consider it as a factor when you do draft a player. I think it would be interesting to see before the combine where people are and then how many go up, mm-hmm. how many go down in terms of where they get drafted based on their performance at the combine. Again, not having been there. I don't know. Yeah, and, and I yeah. suppose the other part of it too is these teams and coaches having the opportunity to meet these players and to interview them and to talk to them and get a sense of what kind of people they are as well. Because that you're not going to see that on tape. Yeah, I, I just remember this. This goes way back when Tom Bratz was running the uh, Packer operations, and what a wonderful man he was. Unfortunately, things didn't pan out for him. Yeah. I mean, he took Jim uh, Jim Mandridge. <laughs> That's a tight end with uh, Miami. <laughs> Tony Mandridge. Yeah. And it is unfortunate because, you know, talking about Prats. I mean, there's there's an example. Tony Mandridge looked all-world coming out of college. Yeah. The cover of SI. He looked right. like he was going to be the most dominant line. All of a sudden, next year, they had what was called drug testing and yeah. uh, ped, ped usage. Yeah. And all of a sudden, uh, Tony Mandridge became very ordinary. Right. But I always remember him telling me, this one particular year, there are two quarterbacks who were considered one and one A, 
and it was Manning and Ryan Leaf. Remember that? Yeah. And after I talked to him, he goes, yep, I can tell you one's going to be a great player and one's not going to be so great. And I go, wait a second, everybody's comparing these two as equals. Right. And, and, you know, what, what prompts it? And it was the interview process yeah. and the background checks, and right. they knew that you know Peyton Manning was going to stay the course. Yeah, Ryan exactly. Leaf wasn't, you know. So right. I think that's one of the most important things at the combine too, because yeah. uh, they can bring players and interview. I think they, if I'm not mistaken, they can get up to sixty players to interview. Wow. So so these guys that's are busy. Yeah, how about these players though? But um, there's a kid named Polite, defensive end and edge rusher. Who one guy told me this was interesting too, just to show you how opinions vary. I talked to an AFC scout at the combine. I asked where, where do you see Plate going? And he goes, I can see the Packers taking him at twelve. I go, okay, you know, a very well respected scout. Must have been two days later. I took all this other guy, you know, who is a player personnel director, <laughs> and I said to him, where do you got Plate? And he goes, late first, early second. Wow. I mean, just a absolute total difference. And another kid, Font, the tight end out of Iowa this year. Yeah. Speaking of the eye test, this guy passes the eye test. Yeah. Remember Keith Jackson, the former Packer yeah. tight end, played yeah. with Philadelphia most of his career. But right. big, physical, tight end. Mm-hmm. This is the way Font is. I mean, you see him and you go... You don't want to mess around with yeah. him. If you're a free safety and he's coming at you, <laughs> you know, yeah. see you later. Right. But, again, most people have him, you know, late first, early second. He had a terrific combine. His stock is soared. And, again, now some people think he could be top ten. There's some people that think he could go to the Packers at 12. Right. It, it's just interesting how people evaluate players. And, but I think, you know, as we get closer to the draft, you know, what, three, four weeks or whatever it is, Things will start to shake out, and there'll right. be a better understanding of the draft, what, what, draft order. What was the one thing that surprised you about this combine, if anything? The one thing is that now these players are just drilled by their agents. You know what to say, yeah. what not to say. Right. But the one thing that stood out, and I'm telling you, the vast majority of these guys exuded confidence. Okay. I mean, everyone thought they were the best at their so position. They're talking a good game. They're talking a heck of a game. It's like, you know, and, and that's the way they were taught. They were instructed. Sure. I'm, I'm trying to remember. Will Greer, I think it was, quarterback, was up there. And he goes flat out. And I, nobody's heard of Will Greer. Nobody's talking about first round. He goes, I'm the best quarterback in the draft. Yeah. You know, and there's like probably yeah. three QBs that'll go in the first round, and he's not one of them. But this guy, I mean, he said that several times. Right. And. You know, if you didn't know better, if you <laughs> didn't look at the tape, you'll say, okay, you know. <laughs> so I guess on on uh, some of these teams, on the coaches on their checklist, humility it doesn't seem to be very high on the list of things that they want to make sure a player has. No, exactly. Another guy was Noah Williams, uh, offense tackle from our, uh, Alabama. He's going to go, in, you know, t- probably in the upper half of the first round, and, and he's a guy that the Packers have talked to, right. and the Packers do like. And who knows? He might be their pick because he can play offense tackle, he can play guard, give him some some versatility. Right. He was talking about himself nonstop, like he 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 was Forrest Gregg the second, you know, <laughs> and he hasn't played one one game in the NFL. But again, you, you got to take this with a grain of salt, and because that's the way they were instructed to be super right. super confident in, in their abilities yeah 
Well, I would think if you get to this point in your, although your professional career is just getting started, but if you get to this point where you're a pretty solid, outstanding college player, you better have a lot of confidence. Yeah, exactly. So, so uh, what, I got a question for you. From your perspective, yeah. what would you do? Now, there, there's different scenarios. I, I talked to a couple of people down at the combine, and they said, they could see the Packers taking a defensive end with their first pick, then coming back and taking an offensive tackle yeah. or, a, or a tight end. There's others that think they could take the tight end first, like if Hawkinson from Iowa falls to him. I mean, if you had the 12th pick, what position? Now, again, you don't want to get into the, say, hey, we're drafting by position. You take the best player usually at this yeah. point. But what need do you think they you would target? I think a lot of it obviously depends on what the 11 teams in front of you do that kind of, you know, dictate, mm-hmm. you know, who's available. You know, I would tend to think, and that's part of why I did that story for our, our website on what the Packers have done the last 10 years relative to how they've drafted. And, and the Packers have a tendency to draft defensively, you know, early in the draft, and then offense seems to come later on. My guess would be that um, I, I know there's a different man in charge instead of Ted Thompson, so maybe he's going to set a new standard or a different Yeah, well, Gutekunst went with a defense back for his first pick last year, Yeah, which I thought turned out to be pretty good. I, I thought the kid had a really nice year, yeah. Jair Alexander. I tend to think that they're going to go the defensive route again. It wouldn't surprise me if they did two defensive guys in the first round and then, and then went offense in the second round, either a alignment or a tight end that they think can fit into the um, offense. That, that wouldn't surprise mm-hmm. me in the least. See, now, from my perspective, with 12, I wouldn't care if they took an off, uh, offense player defense player. What I think they should do, though, is take the best impact player. They need yeah. an impact player, somebody that could make plays, whether it's an offense or defense, whether that's a tight end, if, if it's Hawkinson. I, I love Font. Mm-hmm. They, they, I mean, like I said, he reminds me of uh, Keith Jackson. Yeah. And you put him in the mix with Devontae Adams and, and their bevy of other young receivers, my yeah. goodness, Rodgers has some targets. I think that gets back to what we were saying before, is that the, the Packers can't miss on these two, two first-round draft choices. Now, can something come up to where they end up trading one of those first-rounders? I don't know, there'd have to be a pretty attractive trade possibility yeah, yeah. out there. But if you've got three picks out of the first 44, I don't know, the way I'm looking at it, Gary, is you got to find three starters. You know, you know what I'd do? Uh, I would keep the two first, and then I'd say to somebody, you know what, we got that early second-round pick. How about if we give you a fourth or a fifth and move up even more? Instead of being at 44, move up to, like, 34? Mm-hmm. And, and get another guy that you know darn well can come in and play. Right. And, and if not start, be a major contributor. Right. They need quality instead of quantity. Exactly. And I'm thinking, too, and I know we talked about this during the season last year, is look at the New Orleans Saints. You know, the Saints were able to really jumpstart their season after some really good drafts. I mean, drafts that, that netted them, three, four, five starters Mm -hmm. from their draft board. So I think the Packers have to, like I said, they've got to do the same thing. They've got to be able to make draft choices that are going to be starters right out of the chute. You can't be taking guys in the first and second round and say, 
you know, we're hoping that three years down the road that they're going to be good players for us. No, 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 no. They've got to be able to step in and 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 start fourteen to sixteen games and, right away. And, and you know, we talked about offensive linemen. We talked about edge rushers. My goodness, I, they need a safety. I, I don't think there's any question about that. I mean, the question is if Kevin King is healthy. I think he and Alexander make you know pretty solid DBs. They got. Josh Jackson, who had kind of a disappointing season, but they need another guy in the secondary. Yeah, they need a right guard. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's a reason why the Packers weren't in the playoffs last year. They got some holes. They probably got like I'm guessing like yeah. six spots. But right. again, if they can fill three or four of them, and, and you know what, Gary, I know we're not going to talk about the, the free agency period, mm-hmm. but again, a lot of that I think what how they're going to draft is going to be predicated on what they do in free agency if they can fill some of those five or six holes that you're talking about mm-hmm. through a free agent pickup or two you know maybe that sways how they end up drafting i, I gotta believe that that's going to be a big part of how they go into the draft is what holes did they think they filled yes via yes free agency. Ab- absolutely good point you know and, and getting back to how, how you go into this draft or you think defense offense I'm thinking offense. I know that everybody's concerned about the Packer defense, but you know what? There's a lot of bad defenses in the NFL. You can get by. You better have firepower. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the teams that got to the conference championships, to the Super Bowl, they had firepower. And I think the Packers, so I mean, to me, the Packers absolutely got to get tight end. Even if Graham would have a bounce back year, they still need another another tight end. And then you got to wonder what's going on with Randall Cobb. You, you got to find a slot receiver, and they got some nice possibilities on the roster. But you you want a big time player to augment Devontae Adams, right. so it, it's going to be fun. And you know, I was going the staff compiled a list of guys that they could look at edge rushers. That we talked about Monte Sweat, uh, Clayling Farrell. I botched his first name from Clemson. <laughs> That's a little guy a lot of Packer people I've talked to at the combine think the Packers to take. He's been real steady. He's been kind of projected, you know, in that 12 range, 14 range. Yeah. And he's still there. He didn't go up and down. Rashawn Gary from Michigan State, obviously, the polite kid. The guy that's rising is Brian Bur- Burns from Florida State. And I, I was watching the NFL Network the other day. This guy is good. I mean, he, he's a guy that gets after the quarterback, mm-hmm. uh, very, very explosive. And then you look at uh, Jonah Williams as an offense tackle guard. You got a DB. Here's again, even though the Packers have two, I think, pretty good young cornerbacks if King's healthy, Greedy Williams of LSU was another guy. Yeah. And it wouldn't bother me one bit with the 12th pick. They took him because you need really good cornerbacks. Right. And, and when, when a lot of teams will probably throw six DBs, sometimes seven, the Packers have to have another cover guy. Right. And he's a guy, so. And then I thought uh, a couple of safeties, Taylor Rapp from Washington, and uh, there's a kid named Nasser Adderley from Delaware, of all places. <laughs> and then you got the tight ends. And I like all three of these tight ends, whether it's Hawkinson, Irv Smith, or, or Font. Uh, but again, we got what here? About two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve. 13 guys I listed, so yeah. Packers got to go out and get a couple more first from that. Yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen. <laughs> no, that, that, that's not going to uh, happen at all. So, yeah. What was your biggest take from the, the combine? You're in the car driving back yeah. from 
Indianapolis, what are you thinking about in terms of what you saw and what you heard? And uh, what my biggest take was because I was thinking in terms of the Packers is I don't see how they can miss on either pick. Yeah. There's so many good players through, yeah. through the first two rounds. No matter who they take, to me it's like they're going to help this team no yeah. matter what. Well, I got to tell you this little story. The media room is like about a mile away from where all the interviews are. So after every interview or after every session, you go back to the media room yeah. and tweet out your stuff or work on your stories. And right. I am on the way back, and like out of nowhere, Pete Carroll's walking with a guy. And he comes walking by and goes, hey, how you doing? <laughs> <laughs> like, like I had known the guy for 20 years. Yeah, yeah. And I have always heard so many good things about Pete Carroll. I, right. I've talked to a couple of agents that dealt with him and say what a, right. what a great guy he is. And I, I thought that was really cool. I just yeah. It kind of reinforced, like, Pete Carroll, you know, he's not yeah. only a pretty darn good coach. All that playing the Super Bowl on uh, the goal line will always be, <laughs> yeah. remember. But I thought that was kind of cool. And then. Every year that I've been there, like I said, the six times or whatever it's been, I usually run into Ron Rivera. Remember the former Bears linebacker? And he was talking to, gosh, I'm trying to remember who it was. But I'm walking by him, and I just like, you know how you overhear a conversation? Yeah. And he goes, that Packer game was unbelievable. You know, guys going out after the game. (laughs) (laughs) And, And I was like... He hasn't played in like 25 years or whatever it's been, right. you know? And, and yeah. he's reminiscing with this guy about a Packers game. Right, yeah. It's then I decide, you know what, I'm going to hang around for a little bit. So right. after he's wrapping up this uh, interview with this guy, I talked to him. And, I mean, what a great guy. You, you see these coaches, and I think they got the toughest job in sports. When you got all those guys who have super egos, whether yeah. it's a, a center or a safety, a DB, yeah. you got a lot of guys to deal with. Right. And you better be an extraordinary people skills person. Right. And, and I see these guys like Pete Carroll, Ron yeah. Rivera. They, they know how to deal with people. And You don't impress me as somebody who is starstruck, but I'm guessing that... Except when I, I'm doing these podcasts with you. That's true. <laughs> uh, I, I wasn't, I wasn't going to say that. But, okay. But I, I would imagine, I, I mean, I know you're a big sports fan and mm-hmm. you watch a lot of NFL and watch TV and things like that. It's got to be interesting to see these guys that you see on TV... Like we were talking before the we went on about Adam Schefter. I mean, I you're a big Adam Schefter sure. fan. I am too. If I was to see him at the combine, I'd probably <laughs> be like a puppy dog, just kind of following him around because I'd want to know, and I'd want to see what his day is like. Sure, sure. You know, like that. So, I mean, do you have? No, that? not not really. I, I I'm I'm not starstruck. Trust me. Yeah, no. Those, those days those days are long gone. But yeah, you know what? For me, it's interesting is talking to other reporters. Now, I don't cover the NFL at hardly at all, except write about it in columns or whatever. Yeah. But I've seen, or I saw a lot of journalism colleagues over the years, like yeah. dear Orlando Ledbetter, who used to be at the Milwaukee Journal. He now works with, uh, in Atlanta covering the Falcons. Okay. Arnie Stapleton used to be an Associated Press writer in Milwaukee, right. Wisconsin. He's out in Denver. And there must have been about 15 to 20 reporters. And you go by and you kind of catch up, even though it's for a few minutes. Right. It's kind of neat just saying, hi, how you doing? You know, right. what's going on, blah, blah, blah. Right. It, it's, so you can get some social activities in mixed in with business activities. Yeah. But that, that combine, the NFL does it really well. I mean, they bring in 
GMs for interviews. They bring in the coaches for interviews. And Tyler Murray, who's you know the, the quarterback who's supposed to be the number one pick. Yeah. His press conference, I, I thought the Pope was there. <laughs> it was just unbelievable. And, and what was funny was he was at podium one, and there's, I think, if I'm not mistaken, seven podiums. They have a player at each podium, right? Yeah. <laughs> the other six guys in the room, <laughs> nobody cared about Yeah, right. I mean, everybody was over there, and I felt bad for these other guys because right. they maybe have one or two guys that, you know, went down there that were probably right. sympathetic towards them and right. wanted to uh, give them a question or two, but that, that Murray press conference was unbelievable. I, I, I mean, just hundreds of reporters. Yeah. And the one thing I, I actually was pretty close to, and, and the thing that stood out, you talk about the eye test, you know, with, with Montez Sweat, mm-hmm. some of these other guys font. I'm sorry. I, I know every, a lot of people love this guy as a quarterback, but he is small. Yeah. He is really small. I mean, they measured him at five five ten, but... Yeah. I don't know. I I checked the accuracy of that tape measure too. <laughs> yeah, well, I've read a few things where it seemed like a lot of post combine stories are kind of questioning his leadership and his personality. So I guess it's one thing, like we've talked about, when you put your game on tape, but when people get a chance to meet you and talk to you and some of these general managers, especially if you're a potential first pick. Boy, if, if you can't check off that you're a leader or that you've got the kind of personality that they want you to have, that could really be a, a tough one to swallow. As you well know, he, he's turning down baseball to play football. Right, right. And I'm telling you, I'm sorry. If I was in that position, I, I would love to play football first too. But from a monetary standpoint, yeah. I'm going baseball. Speaking mm-hmm. of baseball, see Alex Rodriguez yes. and J-Lo got engaged? Yes. JLo, this will be her fourth husband? Uh, this fourth? Is, this or is fifth? Her, this is her fifth engagement. <laughs> fifth. <laughs> and this will be her fourth husband. So what, what's the over-under on this? Like one, <laughs> yeah. one and a half years? I have no idea. I mean, eventually she's going to get too old. And, yeah. Although I, I don't know how many engagements or marriages that Elizabeth Taylor had. Uh, yeah. I don't know if she's <laughs> she, approaching any. She, she's the gold standard for it. Yeah. We were watching some program, my wife and I, and they showed the ring that Alex Rodriguez gave her, and it's like some one million dollar ring. And my wife looked at it, and she goes, eh, "I don't really like it that much." What do they got to bring a crane in to lift it up and put it on her finger? I tell you what, somebody said it looks like a glass table. <laughs> so, uh, but, yeah, that's that's a marriage maiden. Not heaven, no. <laughs> but we'll see. Good luck to them. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, any any final thoughts on the? Uh, no, I. I we're we're going to do more, you know, as the uh, draft approaches and yeah, we get got, our picks. But for now, six six seven weeks before yeah. the draft. But yeah, I'm 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 really I was real curious about, you know, your whole experience at the combine because again I, I've always watched, parts of it on TV, but to kind of be there. And uh-huh. experience that it's got to be an interesting experience. It, it, it is, and you see some of these veteran reporters and guys that have been on the beats, you know, for 20, 30 years, yeah. and, and they got their sources. And right. Guys come over, and, and they just get a ton of insight. And, and the Cowboys, it's good. I mean, it's a good place. I mean, yeah, to cultivate sources and, and, and so forth. So yeah, all in all, it was a, it was a good time. Uh, it was. Uh, Did you have f- any good food? Oh, you know what? The other thing I interviewed, and you might have seen this, I interviewed Mike Florio from yeah. 
NBC. Yes. And, and that guy's fantastic. Yeah, I, mean, I like I, him too. I, I, the one thing I really admire about him, he's opinionated and he's insightful. He's got a ton of sources. Yep. I'll tell you, Pro Football Talk, the website is one of my favorite websites. And yeah. It was fun, you know, it, it was fun interviewing that guy. Yeah, because I, I respect him so much, and, and uh, great yeah. interview for anyone that hasn't seen it. Go to Wolfold's Press Box, and uh, I, I thought it was really interesting his takes on the Packers and yeah, saying hey, it you was know, a good interview. well, yeah. thanks, but uh, yeah, no, just a, a very, very intelligent dude. Again, we've talked about Adam Schefter and Mike Florio, but these guys are, are big celebrities. If if there wasn't a combine or you know the NFL Network and things like that, it's amazing how these. I mean, that could have been you. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> but anyways, I'll tell you a quick story, and we're going to wrap this thing up. But you talked about uh, some of these reporters that have become, you know, slubs of sort. Yeah. Years ago, I, I took my children to the NBA All-Star Game in Atlanta. And it was a who's who of great players, and including Shaquille O'Neal, okay? Yeah. So my son there was there, and he was, I forgot, maybe uh, freshman in high school at the time. And he's he he loves at that time anyways he loved collecting autographs, and for whatever reason he didn't have any inclination to get any autographs. And the event's over. We were in the lobby of the Hyatt, and everybody kind of went back to their rooms, went elsewhere. And we started walking down the street to get something to eat. And all of a sudden, my son Joe goes, "Hey, do you get a pen?" And I go, "A pen for what?" He goes, "I got to get an autograph. I got to get a." And I think like, wait a sec, we just came. From a hotel lobby that had, you know, twenty-four of the best NBA players available, right. <laughs> and he wants an autograph now. So I go, okay, fine. So he gets the pen and he bolts down the street, yeah. wait for him to come back, and he's got this newspaper. And I said, oh, who did you get? And he goes, Michael Wilbon. <laughs> <laughs> you that's know? good. So uh, yeah, Michael Wilbon, you are a star in the Wolf of Fame. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> So, anyways, that's fine. Well, Jerry, good stuff. Thanks for uh, stopping over and uh, Welcome providing back. some insight as usual. And uh, yep. thank you to all of you for listening in. And uh, be sure to uh, catch us the next time as well. Take care. For more sports news, check back every Tuesday for our latest show. You can also follow Gary on Twitter at GaryWuffle and WuffelsPressBox.com.